0: The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. From Perth, this is the G'day Mining Podcaster, Gem for short, and I'm your Australian-American host, Peter Morris. This is the podcast that bridges the Pacific, focusing on the two countries where most mining exploration companies are listed, Australia and Canada, taking you from Hay Street to Bay Street and Ore to Berard. The world depends on discoveries by exploration companies in these countries to achieve the energy transition targets. Their role is critical, and these are their stories. In particular, I want to unearth explorers whose potential has been missed. We're in the middle of a podcast series covering lithium. After exploring the McDermott caldera during the past two episodes, we're shifting to Quebec. So why should you care about lithium, specifically lithium in Quebec? In prior episodes, I mentioned the enormous deficit in North America, where 600,000 tons of LCE will be needed by around 2030, based on announced battery plants. Currently, there are only two operating lithium mines in North America. One is Sionis in Quebec, which restarted in March. Quebec is the leader in hard rock lithium in North America. On Quebec's license plates, it says, Je m'en or I remember. With high grades, it's hard to forget the potential. In addition, on average, the projects are more advanced than other parts of North America. Today, we're talking to David Southam from Cygnus. Cygnus is one of the companies that is leading development in Quebec. David became managing director in February. The company's been flying below the radar, but it has exciting prospects with near-term catalysts. So why should you care about Cygnus first? The company is progressing rapidly. The company will publish a resource estimate for the Contacts project in August. This comes just over a year after the property was acquired, and Cygnus has additional prospective properties in Quebec. Second, for the G'day Mining Podcast, I've sought explorers with top managers. So far, those managers have been disproportionately Kiwis. David Southam not only is a Kiwi, but he is also a top manager. He was a managing director at Mincore. In this role, he took a nickel resource to a mine in record time, roughly three years. This background will help propel Cygnus. He's also a CPA like me, which I like, But let's dig into it. Is Cygnus the next patriot? Let's get more information and find out. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: What I find compelling about Cygnus is your background. First, it's not obvious, but you have experience in lithium as a member of Kidman's board, having negotiated supply agreements with Tesla and others before West Farmer's acquisition and a major downturn in lithium. Second, when you became managing director at Mincor, it was slightly ahead of where Cygnus is now, although the market capitalizations are almost identical. During your tenure, the resource at Cassini nearly tripled, while Mincor's overall resource nearly doubled and Cassini began production. This propelled the stock from a capitalization of around 65 million to over a billion. What drew you to this opportunity? And please tell us more about your background and what has made you successful.
1: Oh, look, thanks again for this uh, opportunity. Um, I I suppose going back to your your first comment about Kidman, Kidman I think has been the pathfinder for the modern lithium company. It found a, a significantly large deposit um, we are in joint venture with, with um, SQM, which had a had an exceptionally large balance sheet. Um, we had a you know a very small balance sheet. However, yeah, we were first to cut kind a of deal with Tesla, and we had Mitsui and LG Chem, and it was an amazing time. But we were ultimately taken out by West Farmers, and shareholders did very well. So maybe there's a there's a little bit of unfinished business there um, from from that regard. Uh, and you know, there are a number of Things that really attracted me to come back into the executive space with Cygnus, I, I suppose, for well over a decade, I've been a battery market bull. I've, you know, probably for five or six years, I was yelling and screaming about it, and nobody was listening. Mm-hmm. Um, which was sometimes it's maybe not unusual. But I look at Quebec, and I, I see the opportunity. Is that it's it's the Pilbara. For for Canada, but the Pilbara in very early days, and, and the opportunities for uh, Australian companies going in there uh, are immense. And you know, we've seen a complete seismic shift in uh, car maker appetite for uh, for green uh, energy metals and and specific specifically lithium. We've got governments now, as opposed to Kidman's time. Certainly, in North America, ploughing in billions of dollars, and the attitude, quite frankly, of uh, car makers um, has definitely changed from when Kidman was around. Um, they um, you're no longer summoned uh, to European offices uh, to um, be basically told what your plan should be. Um, you know, the the car makers are now very much intertwined uh, in. Um, in your business understanding exploration that build up some mining expertise and realize that it you know, This is a different sort of supply chain to what they used used to so it's, um, it's an exciting time to be involved again
0: Well, people are listening to you now if you could achieve at Cygnus what you achieved at MinCore, then I think shareholders would be very very happy Is it valid for investors to think about your tenure at Mincore as a template for what you intend to achieve at Cygnus?
1: If we just talk about the success in, in, in Mincor, success to me is, uh, it's all relative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, success in the corporate world has many facets to it. And really, my small success is not really my own. It's because of the Mincor team and, mm-hmm. and the bunch of highly motivated people that work tirelessly during the pandemic to create that opportunity. Um you know some some people there's a there's a saying that historical performance is a great predictor of future performance, and so while I get the <laughs> angle of that question, yeah. and there are lots of similarities, you have to look at each company on its own merits. But like Mincor, you know, Mincor had a, a an unbelievable um, portfolio of opportunity for exploration and had been underexplored in Campbellda. Um and that's where the opportunity was. Uh, and it's similar with Cygnus. We became uh, quite an early mover into James Bay, Quebec, and have spent um, a significant amount of time going through many, many projects to pick the three that we really wanted. And so, yeah, there is you know the opportunity when you uh, invest in an exploration company. It comes with risk because it does rely on the on the drill bit, but it also comes with um, massive opportunity. And, and you've talked about. The success of uh, Patriot, which I think is probably somewhere around a, a two billion dollar company, um, Cygnus, as we sit here today, uh, and maybe the market knew that we were talking today, and the share price has gone up today. So I'm sure you'll claim that at some point. Um, but we're we're, we're, uh, uh, we're a seventy million dollar market cap.
0: Well, your first step is to use the drill bit to define the resource. Pontax was the first lithium asset that was acquired as part of the company's shift to lithium nearly 12 months ago. It's 30k's roughly from Allchem's James Bay deposit which has a massive grade of 1.4%. At Pontax, you've targeted to release that maiden resource estimate in August after only roughly 11,000 meters of drilling that have included many intersections with grades over 1.1%. You've started environmental baseline studies. Once the resource has been delineated, how quickly can you move forward at Pontax?
1: And look, that's a really good question because I think, um, you know, James Bay, um, the Orchem project, that has taken a long time uh, to get through approvals. And so there's a reticence of some investors that, that are worried uh, around approvals uh, in uh, Quebec or in particular. Um, there's been a quantum and a seismic shift in the battery demand space uh, since the time James Bay um, has been sitting there in the portfolio of, I think was Galaxy um, originally. And so you're seeing governments, um, because of uh, legislation such as the IRA out of North America, that are, that are very much focused on approving these battery metal uh, projects. In fact, talking to the First Nations group, uh, the Cree, um, they're exceptionally excited about getting battery metals projects um, on the land that they occupy. And so I think there's a groundswell of support and, and to your other point, the 11,000 metres, and to be exact, it's 11,328 metres um, <laughs> that, that, that we have drilled. You know, we, we, that is about a third of any other company's uh, drilling activity to come out with a, with a maiden resource, uh, you know, of probably what will be similar size. So really what that shows you is um, we haven't had to drill that much to come out with a resource, and on that project, which is the Pontax project, which is our first project that we invested in in, in James Bay, we've only scratched about 2% of
0: wow. the strike
1: length of that greenstone belt. Okay. So our opportunity to grow this um, uh, is enormous. Again, it's exploration, but we're on a a, a greenstone belt. And and one of the things that we've looked for for Cygnus with all of our projects, if we get to them today, uh, is, you know, you've got to be located uh in the right district so we look for geologically it has to be on a greenstone belt Uh, it has to have a history of pegmatites Um, and spodumene uh, bearing pegmatites is obviously the the highest preference you need to be close to infrastructure because northern quebec can be uh, quite isolated um and All of our projects, um, two of them are on uh, the only two main highways in northern Quebec and and one has an all-weather road. Um, Pontax itself isn't surrounded by a lake, um, so that's um, relatively rare for for Canada given the amount of lakes. And it also needs to um, have been the right category from a First Nations perspective. There's three categories of approvals and Mm -hmm. ours All of our projects are in the least cumbersome uh, category of that. And all of them happen to be surrounded by large deposits. And for those that have been around generally, um, uh, large deposits um, will have nearby deposits. So you have to tick all those boxes.
0: Well, since that initial acquisition of Pontax, the company has acquired additional property. In fact, Pontax isn't even the largest property it's slightly less than half the size in terms of square kilometers of Eau Claire which was acquired in February and is near Critical Elements Rose project in Nebraska's Wabushi they're encouraging historical results and drilling will commence soon what's the outlook for Eau Claire
1: our geologists they're dripping with excitement <laughs> we recently announced that they just from our desktop work there mm-hmm. was 67 Outcropping uh, pegmatites. Um, one of those was one point six kilometres long. Not one. This is all. This is all mainly on greenstone belt, and not one piece of lithium exploration has ever been conducted yet on this ground. Um, at, from the first operator that we purchased it off, being Cisco, who is a very large um, Canadian mining group, they were previously um exploring for gold and if you're a gold and this is decades ago and if you're a gold explorer and you came across pegmatite you'd chuck it out well we managed to um find the 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 digital photography back then and we thought that some of the pegmatites that intersected would be spodumene bearing we sent out one of our geologists in a ski-mobile he was on that for four hours dug five foot under snow found the uh the storage of the core then found the pegmatite that we identified and lo and behold they had hit spogamine bearing pegmatite which has been confirmed by assays so there was already an accidental um intersection of spodumene, uh at all without even trying so is Cisco are a shareholder of ours and we then bulked up the ground around that with another partner called Canadian Mining House, who are one of the largest landholders um, within James Bay, uh, Quebec, and they are also shareholders of Cygnus. So it's been very important that we establish um, partnerships early, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, with 67 pegmatite outcrops, I like our chances of, of w- at least one of those being spodumene bearing.
0: Are you geos as excited about the two other projects, Sakami, which is near Winsome's Kanset project and west of Patriot's Corvette, as well as Mitsumi, which is next to Rose? How do these projects fit into the overall picture?
1: I suppose we, we concentrate on three projects and, and Mitsumi the, the, is the fourth, which hasn't had a lot of work. Okay. Um, but again, it was through um, these partnerships that we were able to get access. So when we did the deal with all for Allclear, and we dealt with Canadian Mining House, they also had this ground at Sakami and were being approached by many parties to get access to it. But because you know they're a shareholder and aligned to us, they offered it up to us, and 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 we took that opportunity immediately. And Sakami is on the same greenstone belt uh, called the La Grande Belt as uh, Corvette and Winsome's CANSET uh, uh, project. So Winsome had very um, interesting spodumene intersections and, and Patriot's Corvette, you know, who, who knows how big um, that is going to be. So, you know, sometimes around property, it is location, location, location. Uh, For us, it's right next to the Trans-Tiger Highway. So, again, close to that infrastructure, close to hydropower. Um, We announced last week that there were dozens and dozens of significant uh, pegmatite outcrops that have not even been looked at for lithium. So there's not one piece of lithium exploration that's gone on on the same belt as probably one of the largest Lithium projects to be discovered in recent times, so we should we should be out there in uh, in August um, or at the latest September. So I'll just be watching that space.
0: Well, you have so many exciting opportunities here. Funding exploration development of these projects will require additional capital. Two of the advantages in Canada are the thirty percent refundable tax credit and the flow through structures. However, Canada isn't offering the same low interest, long duration loans that the US has. How do you think you'll fund these projects and what other sources of capital are available for funding these projects?
1: Well, you, you bang on, we're an exploration company and so we do require funding and um, we do actually, I, I should point out while I've got the opportunity that we also do have a, a, a significant land holding in Western Australia. And um, we have a, a very small but separate group just working that, and and lo and behold, we actually had a discovery um, at our Ben Cubbon project um, just recently that we announced where we've hit some very shallow, high grade rare earths um, hosted in clay, um, and they're some of the best grades and widths that you'll see. So that that's something which is a, which is an optional extra um, that comes along with Cygnus um, that that we have come across. So. Just watch that space. But in terms of the fund, in terms of the funding, um, we've already used uh, the flow through scheme once, uh, through, and, and that's been um, very useful because it minimises dilution. For if you use a charitable flow through scheme in Quebec, you can basically get two times your money. So if let's let's say share price is thirty cents, you get to raise at sixty cents. So you're half your dilution. So we've already got a track record of doing that successfully. Uh, In terms of borrowing money, we're not at that point. It's not generally a very good idea. I'm putting my CPA hat on now um, for an exploration company to be borrowing.
0: How do you see the lithium industry in Quebec evolving? What's striking to me with Canada is the resources are smaller than those here in Australia. How does the industry adjust to that?
1: Yeah, look, I think the resources are current. I'd say currently lower than Australia because the the uh, the exploration dollar hasn't been invested as much in Quebec. I think James All Chem, uh, I believe, are drilling the James Bay deposit because it hasn't had holes in it for for such a long time. So I would expect that to grow. Um, there are other deposits within James Bay, Quebec, where exp- where targets are being put out out there beyond a hundred million tons. So I actually think that Quebec will catch up uh, to, to, to Western Australia. And you know, as a small example, we're already getting some government funding support uh, for some metallurgical work uh, that is required as part of your environmental approval. So um, you know, we're already uh, tapping into what's available um, within country and every person that you talk to knows uh, from whether it's the First Nations groups uh, to local communities that there are a number of jobs that are going to be created in, in this new space. So um, nothing but support at the moment.
0: Finally, to end, I want to give you three rapid fire questions in quick succession. First, what's your outlook for nickel? Are, there your, are fears about supply from Indonesia justified? Second, You're a Kiwi, the All Blacks play the Wallabies in a few weeks, what will the score be? And then third, you, Lindsey Dudfield from Jindalee, Dale Henderson from Pilbara, Chris Ellison from MidRez, you're all prominent leaders in lithium and WA and you're all Kiwis. What makes Kiwis so successful in this industry?
1: Yeah, well, the first question is not capable of rapid fire, so let's let's go to the last (laughs) Let's go to the last question first. one, uh, I think you're doing a dishonour to those other chaps to put me into the same basket, but let, let's just go with the premise of your question. Um, I think uh, as uh, the smaller cousin and you know, a smaller country, um, you know, a lot of people that I know that have come out of New Zealand, we, we're tremendously driven um, and um, we, we, take a, we generally take a no-nonsense approach uh, to business. And, and and i think that's probably probably our backgrounds and we've you know I, I think knowing a couple of those chaps we've probably had to come from the harder side of the tracks so that that, that does tend to to motivate you and when you can't be successful as an all black you need to find a, a vocation that you can be successful <laughs> in so you know so i think um you know we have the uh the privilege of uh of lowering the IQ of New Zealand when we leave, but increasing the IQ of Australia, which I know will get <laughs> myself—I know—we'll get myself into trouble. But I'm used to that. In terms of rugby, it, look, that—that's um, an income-generating stream for me. The amount of wine that I've won from Wallaby supporters, who always think that somehow they're going to win at Eden Park, <laughs> um, has, has been um, a great fulfilment um, of the cellar. Uh, all you can do is to point to um, recent history. I think the All Blacks are up thirty-one nil at halftime in Argentina against Argentina, and uh, the Wallabies got walloped by a second-rate South African team. <laughs> Having said that, um, I would suspect the points uh, will be forty-eight. To twelve, there you go. That's um, very bullish. There you now, go. You're asking me to put the nickel hat on and and with a very complex question, come back with a rapid fired answer. So I might just take uh, one or two minutes uh, on that. Look, there there are different there are different classes of nickel around the world, and you're already now seeing the bifurcation of pricing uh, for nickel, and you know whether it's battery grade nickel uh, or briquettes uh, or concentrate, the, the pricing um, has bifurcated and, you know, nickel pig iron, which is traditionally what came out of Indonesia, um, would sell for a lower price or a discount to LME nickel price. So I think, and given that the LME has had some issues around nickel uh, as well, I think this, the, the whole pricing mechanism will will change uh, Indonesia is not going to go away in terms of its nickel. It's heavily endowed in laterite, but it does come at, um, with some challenges environmentally. You know, whether that's you know cutting down um, uh, forest, land degradation, and and where do you um, put tailings if you are further processing uh, uh, laterites? So if you go through um, high pressure acid leaching and all those downstream processes it does create um, waste and you know you see reports of potential um, deep sea tailings which you know no i don't think anyone likes the sound of that Um, but ultimately there will be a home um, for their nickel and they will look to get greener you can't expect that they will stay the same but it's got some fundamental challenges whereas in western australia we're typically um, a a, a sulfide mining company sorry country And it is cleaner, especially if you're you're underground, your your land disturbance is less. So, look, there is um, a lot of hype and everyone will talk their own book, but maybe there will be additional pricing for for greener nickel and if some of those countries are true to their word around um, the sourcing of only responsibly sourced nickel and and low-carbon intensive nickel will then sulphide uh nickel may you may find it it has a premium
0: well fantastic thank you dave for being on the podcast it was great to have you
1: no thanks thanks for having me and i i know that i've probably got myself into trouble with a few of my australian friends
0: you probably did (laughs) anyway thank you for listening and look forward to the next gem podcast during the next episodes we'll continue looking at lithium projects in north america followed by Europe, South America, and finally concluding with Lithium Recyclers. In the meantime, follow Stockhead for daily updates on all the key information about the industry. Until next time, bonne journée and good day.